if you will, this morning, turn with me to our text, which is found in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It's 1 John 1, 9. It should be very familiar to us all. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, how great Thou art, how merciful Thou art, how long-suffering Thou art to Thy people. O Lord, we pray that You would give us a present reality of this text this day, that You would show us Thy great mercy and Thy great love to do such a thing, that You would reveal to us what it is to forgive sin, what sin is, how You look at it, Lord. Teach us this day to hate it. And teach us, Lord, what forgiveness, true forgiveness is in Thee. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I asked Stephanie to play that hymn by Augustus Toplady that we just sang, Rock of Ages. He, he uh, was an English minister in the late 1700s, and um, he only lived to be 38 years old. And um, he was also, he liked numbers. So he decided to calculate what it would be like or what it seems to be in a child of God's life. If he sinned one sin every second of his life, which he said in the sermon that he preached, he said he, for himself he knew that was probably more, but if he just used one for every second of his life, and he multiplied that all the way out to 80 years, if the Lord had given him 80 years. The sins that a child of God would commit or a person would commit would be 2,522,880,000 and some extra. Once you let that set in for a minute. If we live to be 80 years old and we sin every second, and that means in our mind or in an outward act or in our unbelief, in our anger, in our, um, we can name it, lust, whatever it is. Over two billion sins. And our text today tells us that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, cleansed us from all of the unrighteousness. He forgave us or has forgiven us all of our sins. I, I stand amazed at that. I stand in awe of that. I think of what the Bible says about the amount of people that, although they're few in comparison to the many that go in the broad gate, even that few is as the number of the sea, sand of the sea and then the stars of heaven. And that's a lot of people. And if we just use that math equation there and we find out that, that those sins, that many sins per person is committed against the Lord Jesus Christ and against the Father and against the Holy Ghost, to think of how, depth, how deep the love of God is for His people. When we come to this text today in, the, in 1 John 1, 9, the first thing I have to say about it as I know that we are conditioned to look at the word if and say that it is a conditional word. Well, if I do this, then God will do this. It's been one of the most egregious errors throughout all of history in the church to always try to mix the creature and his obedience in with something. If I do it, then the Lord will be faithful to forgive me. Meaning that if the, if the onus is on the creature to do it, he then will wake up God or make God to work at his command if he, co if he confesses his sin. That's not what this passage is saying. You'll see that today as we look at it in, in its entirety. The if that's that we look at today is a gospel truth. It's a truth to the children of God and it's, and it's a surety. It's an assurance. And it's, it's an assurance that we are in Christ. Because if we are in Christ, we will confess our sins. 
If we are in Christ, He will cause us, and we'll see that today how He does that, to cry out to Him to forgive us of our sins. So that's the first thing I want to say about our text this morning. If we confess our sins, is not conditional. It is a fruit of Him being faithful and just. It is because He's faithful and just to forgive, He brings us to the throne of grace to ask for forgiveness. But in saying that, I don't want to cheapen or uh, minimalize the gift of repentance because it is necessary. It is something that we have in the union with our Lord that He hears our cry, that He hears what we have to say, that He hears our confession of sin. It's not behind a door to confess to a man. It's not in the most holy of men if you never think of or we read in the Word of God. They all needed repentance. But that repentance is a gift of the Lord. We see that in Matthew 9.13 when Jesus Himself said, But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but center, sinners to repentance. Jesus' words and His purpose here on, in life, and what He came down here to save His people from their sins, He tells the high-minded Pharisees, and He tells those around that He did not come for the righteous, those who are righteous in their own eyes. He came for sinners. He came to call sinners to repentance. Paul would later tell us in Romans 2, 4, Or despisest thou the riches of His goodness and forbearance and longsuffering? I want you to think of that in, in light of how we started this message today. 2,522,000,000 sins. The Lord's forbearance. The Lord's longsuffering. Toward us. And Paul said it. He said, He said, Do we despise thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance? It's not anything we do in and of ourselves. It's not a duty. It's not out of a, a chastisement. It's not out of a fear to confess our sins and say, Well, you're going to destroy me, Lord. It's out of the goodness of God to bring us, to show, to show us His great love for us. The power in His blood to cover the multitude of sins. Paul would later write in Ephesians 1, 6 and 7, he said, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. That's important. I put that one in there to get to verse 7. But it shows us that how we're accepted. And all of those sins, how is it a sinner is justified with his God? He's in Christ, his justification. And, Christ, and this is what Paul said, we're, that's how we're accepted. We're accepted in the Beloved. We're accepted because we're covered by his blood. We're accepted because we have the robe of his righteousness put upon us, imputed to us. Verse 7 says, In whom? In Christ. In whom? The one, the beloved. In whom we have redemption through His blood. He has paid those sins. He has stood in our place for those sins. We have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Not according to our confession. Not according to our creed. Not according to what we've done in this life. Not according to our education. Not according to our title. Not according to how much we've studied. Not according to even how sorry we feel about sin. The Bible certainly speaks of those in Esau who confessed and had sorrow over sin. But it wasn't godly sorrow. It wasn't the repentance given from above. It was out of a pang of guilt. 
There is a difference, and we'll see that, Lord willing, in this message today. How good is the gift of repentance? How great is forgiveness to you today? I, I thought about this today as I was thinking about Thanksgiving and, and how quickly we get from Thanksgiving and then we transition into Christmas. And, and I was thinking of this text when the Lord gave it to me and, and I thought about how it ties them both perfectly. How thankful I am for the gift. How thankful I am for the gift, the unspeakable gift that came to save me from my sins. The, the gift that, that gives me of repentance. The gift that gives me forgiveness. That's what our text tells us if we confess our sins. And it's true. It's a gospel truth. When we, for, when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's what we have for us today in this text. We have this very deep understanding of an ongoing bathing, and we'll get to that. An ongoing washing. It's not a one-time event. It is from the, the, the eternal look at it that the Lord put away our sins. He was a, a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He took those sins upon Him before there was ever even a world. He was a lamb slain at that time, meaning He died for our sins at that time. And then in time, in the time where He said, I come to save My people from their sins, He laid down His life in that perfect, complete sacrifice. So I want to start in 1 John today, and instead of just starting in the middle, I thought we'd just back up from the beginning to see uh, the glory of the heavens being opened to John. John now, as we know, has already wrote his epistle, the Gospel. And um, we've seen in John's Gospel how deep his understanding and his love for the Lord was and how he wrote from a perspective of intimacy with Christ as he spent his days upon this earth. And, and that's how 1 John starts. He says, "...that which was from the beginning, which we have heard..." He's an eyewitness. And he heard it. He said, "...that's what we have heard..." which we have seen with our eyes. I've watched Him. I've watched Him teach. I've watched Him heal. I've watched Him cast out devils. I've watched Him say things to me that my soul stirred up in me. I saw a power that was greater than him, in Him than in any power I've ever seen upon this earth, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the Word of life. John says, I'm a witness of that. I've witnessed the life of Christ. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. So John knows of the eternality of Christ. He knows of the salvation of in eternity. He knows of, of the Lord has revealed to him that this was long done. It was long purposed. And I, 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 I always accentuate that point because to me, it shows me that the Lord and His per perfection, in the Lord and His perfectness, when He did something, He did it before any man was ever on the face of this earth. Any man could ever put his hand in it. Any man could ever stand up and say, I've done that. This is my merit. I've warranted His grace. I've warranted what Jesus has done for me on the cross. He can't. He has no right to say such abominable things. Because our Scriptures, the Word of God testifies to us that it was done in eternity. And what a great truth that is. And John says that. He says, it was manifested and, and to show unto you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. And, and now we, we get into the love that the Lord gave for John for, for the, the people who would come after. For all the saints that would come after to read this epistle. He says, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And dear ones, that's the only fellowship the saints can ever have. Is the fellowship in the eternal Christ. The 
fellowship by the eternal Christ. The fellowship in the eternal Christ. That's what he says. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. You know, we, we throw that word around a lot. Fellowship. We use that as in gatherings or we're going to fellowship together or we're going to sit down in fellowship or we, we say we want to have fellowship with one with another. But do we know the depth of that word, what it means? John tells us what it means. Fellowship is with the triune God. Fellowship is with the Lord alone. And as the Lord fills your soul, then is when we have fellowship one with another. And that's what He tells us here. I think, I know that in our, in our times in this life, I think uh, as Christians and as we walk and as we travel in our journeys and as we meet with those that we love, there are times we get um, excited or, or happy and with the times that we're going to have and we say, oh, it's going to be a great time of fellowship. And sometimes we're left disappointed. And sometimes we left and we get, wow, that, that just didn't go the way I, I wanted it to. Because fellowship is not willed by us. Fellowship is not performed by us. As you see in our text, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And then when he backs up, he said, that ye may also have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is in the Lord. Our fellowship is with the Lord. So as you, as you live in those relationships, whether they be in, in a marital relationship, whether it be with your children, and we long for those times of closeness and we long for those even greater times of fellowship. Understand what the Word of God says. That our fellowship with one another is based on a much greater fellowship. The fellowship with the Lord with your soul and with the soul of His children that you're fellowshipping with. And that's where it comes around. That's where it begins. That's where it ends. That's where it flourishes. That's what we have in Christ. And if that's not reciprocated, if that's not on both ends, there won't be fellowship. That's the whole point of today's message. Is What he tells us is that there's no light and darkness mixture. The Lord is pure in what He does. What He does. And I know many times in my life I've tried to, tried to uh, nurture or to make that fellowship or, boy, if I... If I show this one this, this one will certainly be melted or they'll desire that fellowship around the Word or they'll, they'll desire that fellowship in Christ. And we can, But it doesn't work that way. And there's disappointment in the soul. And then the only way the soul can be lifted back up is when the Lord shows you that the fellowship is with Him. He's enough. He's there to nurture. He's there to heal. He's there to show you that He is all that we need. And from that union is our union with the brethren. Comes out of These things write unto you in verse 4, that, that your joy may be full. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Everything John is talking about is what's performed for us, in us, through us, through the Son. So he says, these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. What is our joy in? Is our joy in the things of this world and Say, so, yeah, we somehow take joy in that sometimes, and we take joy in family, and we take joy in other things, but for the fullness of our joy, the fullness of the, the joy in Christ comes from Christ alone. Because now that he's introduced this, this epistle and all the five verses that'll come after it, now that he's told them from what position he's writing from, the fellowship of Christ. And his desire and love for, for those in Christ to fellowship with him on this plane. Then we go to verse 5 to reiterate what he said at the beginning. This then is the message which we have heard of him. Let's get to the crux of the matter. John says that the word of God is about Christ. This is his work. This is his word. This is the message of the whole thing. This then is the message which we have heard of him. John heard the message of the gospel from Christ. We, as the children of God, must hear the message of the gospel from Christ. The minister, in all of his power, 
in all of His love for you, in all of His zeal, in all of His care, can, can preach the gospel as the Lord has anointed him to preach it. But he cannot bring that gospel to your soul. He cannot make your soul leap for that gospel truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work. He cannot bring you to the table. He cannot set the table. He cannot apply what's at the table for you. He can preach the gospel. We, as a people of God with one another, we can proclaim the gospel. We can proclaim what the Lord has done for our soul and pray that the Lord blesses that and blesses it so much that His Spirit touches and opens the soul of the child of God to receive truth, to enjoy the truth, to love the truth, to embrace the truth. It's all of Him. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light. Now listen, God is light. But that's not all. In Him is no darkness at all. You and I, as the children of God, walk around with this dichotomy in us. We have light and we have darkness. But I'll tell you this. They never mix. They never join together. The flesh and the Spirit will always be at opposite ends. The light of Christ that is in us is pure. The light that is in us is holy. The light that is in us is without sin. But we do have a dark part. We do have a part that breaks this body down every day. You know, I, I thought about that this week and I thought about all the money that's been made off of, off of our bodies being decayed. You know, there'd be no deodorant. There'd be no toothpaste. There'd be no doctors. There'd be, there would be no um, care. Oh, not, not all these people that design things for the body and its, its deterioration if it wasn't for sin. Sin is the reason you smell. Your body's decaying. I thought about that and the Lord took me deeper. The, as, it, as this week I've been really tussling with sin and tussling with the, what it does and, 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 and the horrificness of it. The sinfulness of it. And I pray, you know, as the Lord brings this message today and brings this text to our soul, the glory of the confession of sin. The glory of the Lord to bring us to His table, to bring us to His throne to confess our sins. Because He is faithful and just to forgive us. Faithful and just. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But this is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, get this through your head. Get this through my head. May the Holy Spirit teach us this. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, if we walk according to the flesh, we lie and do not the truth if we say that we're walking in light. That's what that means. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, if we say, if we walk out of this today and we're, we're angry with our wife or we're, we're bitter against the world and we're bitter against what's going on in the world and we're angry and we have such unbelief, if at that moment we stand up and we say, but we're having fellowship with God, we're liars. See, the fellowship that we have with God is that light in us. That seed. That hope of glory. That, that part of us that, that is our salvation from this body. That part of us that is salvation from this world and the politics and the, and the decaying and, and, the, and the pollution. But if we say we have fellowship with Him, and we walk in darkness. 
we lie and we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, if the Lord is the Lord of our mind and our heart and our soul, as the Lord reveals Himself, as we walk in the light, as He is in the light, you see where the power comes from. Notice what John says. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, that's the only way to get to that light. That's the only way to walk in that light, as He is in the light. As the Lord carries us into the light. As the Lord reveals that light. As the Lord shines that light in our soul where we don't see sin. Where we don't see the wicked one. Where we don't see the flesh. Where we don't entertain those things. When the Lord comes with that great power of light and floods the soul, and I think every child of God who's been quickened into life understands those times, knows those times, wouldn't trade those times for any of the riches of this world. When that peace and that love of Christ floods the soul, when the Lord's presence is there, nothing else around us matters. Nothing. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Isn't that what He said up there earlier? That's how we have fellowship. That's how our union in Christ is what produces fellowship. And dear ones, the truth of the matter is, you as a child of God cannot have true fellowship with the world. You cannot. Because Christ is not in the world. Christ is not in a vessel that has not Christ in it. You can't produce that. We have fellowship one with another and the blood, listen to this, listen to this Gospel truth this morning. The blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. All sin. If we take Top Lady's example to the 2,522,880,000 sins and an 80-year-old is sinning one time per second, if that's true, if we sin that much, and I, I would say that that's not enough, but if we sin that many times in our life, He is faithful and true to cleanse us from all sin. And He's just in doing it. The Father has pronounced Him just in doing it. Because He stood in our place he satisfied the justice of his father who can't even look upon sin. You know, we I, I hate it. I hate it in myself more than anything of how we cheapen the penalty or how God looks at sin by justifying it and by just going along with it and looking and winking at it and saying it's not that bad or or God doesn't care about those things or when the Lord comes with power to the soul, to the child of God's soul, well, let me show you what happens. Turn with me over to Zechariah 12. In Zechariah 12, look at, um, let's just back up to 9 and read 9 and 10. And it shall come to pass in that day, in the day of the Lord, that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. The Lord is our advocate. We'll see here today. The Lord is the one who fights for us against all of our enemies. He's the one who puts down the accuser. He's the one that puts down our flesh. He's the one that puts down and mortifies sin. It shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the Spirit of grace and supplication. He will pour out upon His children the Spirit of grace and it will lead them to pray and to cry out to the Lord. I will pour out upon them the Spirit of grace and of supplications and they shall look upon Me whom they have pierced. Notice when this is written. Long before Christ came. This is a clear understanding and manifestation of Christ given to Zechariah. The same Christ that must save him is the same Christ that must save you and I. 
The salvation comes from Christ. They will look upon me whom they have pierced. And they will look flippantly at sin. And they will dismiss sin. And they will look at sin that it's not. No, it says, and they shall mourn for him. They shall mourn that he is hanging on that tree, that cursed tree for me. That he is hanging there because I can't stop sinning. He's hanging there because of my over almost three billion sins that I commit in my lifetime. They will mourn for me as grace and prayer is put upon them, is poured out upon them, and poured out in them. We're brought to the throne of grace to cry out to the Lord, Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, wash me. As one who mourns for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. That bitter doesn't mean angry bitter. It means sorrowfully bitter. Sorrowful, like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7.10, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of. That's godly sorrow. That's what De Zechariah is talking about here. That's what John wrote, if we, for, if we confess our sins, that's godly sorrow. The rest of that verse Paul wrote, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. The sorrow that was in Esau, although he carefully, carefully sought for repentance. He cried over it. But it was not godly sorrow. It was worldly sorrow. And it worked death. There is a great difference between a conviction in the soul and just a conviction or a pain of consciousness. The world has that. But the work in the soul to look upon Him whom we have pierced and mourn. Mourn. Mourn over sin. Mourn over what our sin put Christ through. But He doesn't stop because chapter 13, He then brings forth the Gospel truth in one and He says, in that day. It's that same day, guys. Remember in that day that started out in that day? It's in that day again. And we're talking about experientially in the soul now. We're talking about in the day of the Lord's power. When He reveals the sorrow of sin, guess what? He doesn't leave us there because that's the sin of presumption. The sin of presumption is the Lord can't save me. I'm too much of a sinner. But that's not the Gospel truth. The Gospel truth is in that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. That's what He's opened for the child of God. And it was open in that day and it's open in this day because Christ is the applier of His blood. Christ is the one whose blood is efficacious that continues to purge. That's what Hebrews 1.3 tells us. He purged our sin and He sat down on the right hand of the Father. Purgeth. Purgeth our sins. We need purging over and over. That's the gospel truth that the Lord provides and He's made provision and He continues to make provision. He sees the need. Jehovah Jireh, He sees the need. He provides and He continues to provide. And look at verse 2, And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land. That's mortification. And they shall no more be remembered. And, I al and also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. Oh Lord, cause that unclean spirit to pass out of me. Cause that unclean spirit to be banished from me. Oh Lord, cause me to walk in the light. 
Make me to follow You, Lord. Back to our text in 1 John 1. As I said, we have this great truth that the Lord, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And He puts down that enemy and He puts down that wicked one. That wicked one comes to us with two types of sins of um, presumption. He comes first and He tells us that we're not sinners. That's what we already covered in verse 6. If we say that we don't sin, we're going to see that here in a minute. We're deceiving ourselves if we're saying we're not sinners. Some may be sitting in this room going, well, I don't sin that much. I mean, you know, I heard that mathematical equation and instead of listening and embracing the equation and going, oh, that, no, that's way too many times. I, I know I, I'm cleaner than that. That's a seed sown by the devil. Oh, I'm, I'm much cleaner than that one sitting next to me. And, and boy, if top lady said that, he felt like he sinned that much. I'm, I'm glad I'm not like him. That's the sin of presumption to believe you're not that Pharisee that's, you know, crying out to the Lord to save him and to forgive him. But then, as I touched on once already, that other sin of presumption, of course, is the other side that says, um, that we're only sin and that we only become sin and because we're sinners we can't be saved because we we've sinned so much the lord says well that that's too many I, I, my 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 mercy's ran out or that to doubt and that unbelief that the lord's mercy that he won't be faithful as our text tells us today that he's that he is faithful and just But if we walk in the light, back to verse 7, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, that's that darkness. If we say that we have no sin, that presumption, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The truth is not reigning in us. The light is not reigning in us. You can't mix the two. You cannot. And then we come to our text if we confess our sins. Notice all the way through this. I think it's yeah, beginning at 6 and 7 and 8, 9 and 10. They all have that little word if. But they're not conditions based on what we do to wake God up. They're assurances. They're assurances that the Lord puts on record in His Word and says, if you do this, you're in Me. If you confess your sins because I'm faithful and just, I'm going to forgive you all those sins. And that, that confession is one of, as I said, it's a precious gift given to the child of God to come and say, Lord, I've sinned against You. I've sinned against Your holiness. I've sinned against Your, your justice. I know. Y'all probably figured where I was going to go. I've been here a lot lately. and I, I, I think it, it bears reading again. And that's, of course, Psalm 51. David, the one after God's own heart, penned this psalm shortly, of course, after Nathan was brought to say, Thou art the man, David. And I want you to listen to the first 14 verses of this psalm and and I'm just going to read it and try not to make comments. But I want you to listen to the depth of the soul and listen and against our text this morning. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a truth David was revealed. He cries out for that. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to Thy loving kindness according unto the multitude of Thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. According to Your mercy, Lord. Not because I've come and asked, but because of Your mercy. Because of Your love for me. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Cleansing. He cleanses our conscience from the guilt. He cleanses our heart from the filth. 
and He cleanses our soul from the power of sin. It's a threefold cleansing that we all need. That David certainly need here. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. When, when, I, when you know, I went nine months and I didn't acknowledge them, but Lord, now, in the day of your power, I acknowledge my transgressions. I'm not up there in the verse six in our text that said, I don't sin. No, Lord, I am the man. You're right. It was me. I murdered. I committed adultery. I had these thoughts. I lived in a hardness for nine months. I did these things against You, Lord. My sin is ever before me. My sin is there. Against Thee and Thee only have I sinned. There's that union again that we talked about all day about being in Christ. I've sinned against Thee and Thee only and done this evil in Thy sight that Thou mightest be justified when Thou speakest and be clear when thou judge. Notice, what did our text say? He's faithful and just. Sin must be dealt with. It's either going to be dealt with in the Son on your behalf, or it will be dealt in you to your destruction. One is in Christ, one is outside of Christ. The one in Christ, Christ has stood in His place, and He has dealt justly. He has satisfied the justice of His Father. And He's done that for His bride. He has done that for His church. He has done that for His sheep. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. There's no, there's no painting up the pig here. There's no washing him trying to make him... I was formed in iniquity. I've been a sinner since the time I came out of the womb crying. I've been a sinner. I am a sinner. Behold, thou desires truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. You'll do it. You are my wisdom, Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is my wisdom. He is my truth. He is my sanctification. You desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me. Purge me. I got good news. He's purged our sins and He sat down on the right hand of the Father. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. You do it, Lord. You cleanse me. You mortify. You cover me with Your blood. You, you wash that, that filth and pollution off of me as my great high priest. You do it. You atone for those sins. You put them away. Because I can't. And I won't. Sin is too powerful for me. I know that in my flesh dwells no good thing. And in that flesh, I can't, write, I can't say, Lord, forgive me. I can't go and wash myself. I cannot do anything, Lord, that will please You. But You can. And You will. Because You're faithful and just. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which Thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide Thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Hide Your face from them, Lord. Cover, cover, Lord, just see me in Thy righteousness. You ever cry out the Lord that way? I said, oh Lord, just I want to be seen in Your righteousness, Lord. Create in me Create in me a clean heart. How does He do that? Washes. Makes it clean. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Washing and renewing. Cast me not away from Thy presence and take not Thy Holy Spirit from me because the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals to me what You've done. The Holy Spirit is the one that teaches me what you've done. The Holy Spirit is the one who applies it to me. Oh Lord, take not Thy Holy Spirit from me. Do you hear the desperation? Restore unto me the joy of Thy salvation and uphold me with Thy free Spirit. Restore. 
Bring me back to see the cross. Bring me back to see the blood. Bring me back to see what You've done for me. Bring me back to see the empty tomb. Bring me back to see You reigning. Bring me back, Lord, to Thee. Because I was a wandering sheep. Then will I teach transgressors Thy ways. That's the only time I can pronounce Thy goodness, Lord. I can speak of You when You reveal to me what You have done of me. I tell you, I don't know if you've ever been around dead religion, dead religious people. They can talk about God and they can use Him in a sentence and they can talk about... But you can just see that the grace of Christ hadn't touched that person. It's all rote, blah, 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 look what I've done, look what I've... There's no testimony of Christ there. There's none. You can, set, you can stand up in front of everybody and tell them all you want, but if Christ hadn't touched your... That's what David said here. Then will I teach. Lord, once You've restored me, once You've revealed to me the depth of Thy grace, then I will teach transgressors Thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto Thee. In the day of Your power, Lord. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. Wasn't that the problem? He shed blood. Deliver me, Lord, even from the depth of that sin. O God, Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of what? Of Thy righteousness. That's what the song of the saint is the Lord's righteousness. The Lord has put my sins away. The Lord clothed in His robe. Before we go back to our text, just turn over with me. It might, might take you a little bit to get to Micah 7. The end of Micah. The last chapter. Micah 7. He asks this question. The prophet asks this question as he ends his book. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? Dear ones, who is a God unto you today that pardons iniquity? We have a lot of little g gods in our life. Whether it be sports, whether it be shopping, whether it be politics, whether it be work, we have a lot of things that we idolize. How many of those things can purge us from sin? How many of those things can pardon our iniquities? How many of those things and people or whoever we put on a pedestal can take away the filth of sin and restore us to our place in the sun? Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham which Thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. Thou will do it. That's what our text tells us back in our text as we finish. If we confess our sins, oh, what a great gift that is. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, of our, us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not only does He forgive, not only does He give the <coughs> gift of repentance, then He gives the forgiveness and then He cleanses. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And He answered the prayer of His servant there in Psalm 51. He answered it abundantly in His soul. And He's penned these other psalms to show how, how great the Lord's mercy and the depth of His mercy was in forgiveness and washing and renewing. And I pray that's the same for you and I today. In verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. He reiterates that point because there's one way. It's not a mixture of way. There's one way. And that one way in Christ is the confession of sin, 
the forgiveness of sin, the cleansing of sin. That's in Christ and Christ alone. If you don't believe me, one more verse. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. Oh, John, if only we could keep ourselves from sinning. If only the things that we've read and talked about this morning, if we could take them and we could apply them to our soul and say, if I just, if I just keep this in my mind, I won't sin. But John knew we couldn't. Because he didn't stop there. He didn't say, and uh, these things I write unto you that you sin not. He says, and if any man sin, knowing the weakness of our flesh, knowing the depravity of our nature, and if any man sin, we have an advocate. We have one who pleads our cause. We have one who stood in our place. We have one that has pronounced us justified. We have one who has said not guilty. We have an advocate with the Father. This is that great mediator. This is that great high priest. We have one with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's what today's been all about. That's what our text is all about. We have an advocate. We have one who has performed all things. And He is, verse 2, the propitiation for our sins. He is that. He, he has satisfied the justice of the Father. He has done that on our behalf. He has stood in our place. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. What a beautiful way to end that, that portion there. John says, not just for us in this age, but for those who will come after us. Those that were before this age. Those He has cleansed the sins of every one of His John 3.16 world. The world of His elect. And I've already enumerated the best I could trying to put a number on it. I know how infallible that is. Or fallible that is, I should say. But just to give us a glimpse how wicked sin is. May the Lord come with power to our souls. O oh Lord, add Thy power and add Thy clarity for Thy name's sake and for Thy glory alone. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.